0: Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London, alongside my co-host, Brandon O'Doy. Do us a favor. Go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Amazon, Apple, Spotify, all of those places and more. You can go subscribe to the podcast, download, download, like, thumbs up, write good reviews. All of that helps us. And go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Brandon, uh, we are flying in quick with uh, the story of the week. It happened... uh, Man, maybe almost a week ago um, that we got news that, uh, well, I was on Twitter or the uh, the site formerly known as Twitter. And I saw a tweet from Cam Ward with him in a Miami uniform and a signing emoji. And I was like, oh, ah, I guess that happened. And then uh, we got the D train tweet and a bunch of other coaches were retweeting and it came down and we got our QB one. He is Cam Ward formerly a Washington State quarterback, now a Miami Hurricanes quarterback. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, the best possible scenario for everybody involved, Beast. And at the end of the day, you got to credit Mario Cristobal and his entire staff, you know, for pulling off, you know, basically this coup d'etat of being able to go grab a guy from the NFL (laughs) and bring him back into college football to play football for the University of Miami. Emmy. it's like we talked about all along there's two windows you could be you could just move on from cam ward take reese take Jacurry, take emory williams and take judd anderson and play football but you know university of miami said look and i'll never forget you texting me saying hey you know cam hasn't signed with an agent yet and i was just like man i can't it's just too much like we've got to put things to bed you know and that's what we say with stories, you know, in the news world. Like, we want to put the story to bed, meaning we don't want there to be any iteration or any sort of scenario that can bring this thing and make it alive again. But I'm especially glad that when the story did resurrect itself, it, it ended pretty quickly. And it's, as I've been saying this entire offseason since the, since the bowl game, Because I've had an intimate look in how business is done at the University of Miami, I was imploring everybody who is a Canes fan to put some trust in Mario Cristobal and his staff. They are really conscientious. Uh, I mean, they they go through great lengths. I don't know how they got this deal done. And, And there's this notion on social media, well, Miami's just paying everybody off. There are a couple of kids they couldn't pay off. OK, and they wanted and didn't get. It's not just about the money. Uh, and there have been times where I know for a fact the money was equal in two institutions and kids chose Miami because of the message that was being sent, the opportunity that was being presented and all of those factors. So it's still a recruiting win. You can say whatever you want to say about it, because that doesn't matter. NIO packages and all of the other things that come along with it. The guy that the Hurricanes needed is going to be wearing orange and green, and he's pretty good by most accounts. And so at the end of the day, that's been the difference on this team and in this program for the last 20 years. You have not had an elite quarterback in the elite quarterback first era, and this has been the issue. You haven't had a guy who's even been on draft boards, and that's what Cam Ward does to you. He immediately becomes – a guy that gives you Heisman odds, a guy that now Xavier Restrepo. And I told you off camera um, or outside of the podcast confidentially that Xavier Restrepo coming back was one of Cam's, you know, requirements. And so very shortly after the, the bowl game, Restrepo got back on board. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, Miami still didn't get this kid like that's that's tough you know because Restrepo had done enough to give himself an opportunity to go to the league but it turns out they stayed the course Rick Ross paid off the dinners at Rusky Pelican paid off wherever <laughs> they went and um you got yourself a nice little quarterback beast uh uh congratulations to you because I know it means a lot to you
0: it does and I although, say that seriously yeah yeah no doubt and it does and by the way as and brandon just kind of took you behind the scenes where he told me the exact uh, the Xavier Restrepo news and we kept that off the pot and all this stuff there's there's a lot that goes on with all of this including you know it, it seems like cam and his people did reach an agreement with the with the Kane's connection and the collective back in december and then it was there was a lot of games being played and all the stuff and you know Man, we, we talk about the business of recruiting and the portal and all that stuff. And it's only gotten bigger as these guys have gotten more representatives because of the NIL and all that stuff. There's just so many people around these kids in their camps. And sometimes you wonder, you know, who's making the decisions? Is it the kid? Is it the people? But in the end, you know, Cam Ward got a second or third day draft grade and knows there's some stuff he has to improve on, um, including not fumbling pretty much every game and realizing that the University of Miami gave him the best chance to improve on what, did he, what he needs to improve on to, to really get his draft grade to where he wants it to be.
1: Yeah, and, and if you're Cam, you don't want to come out in a QB heavy draft like, you know, what you're going to see here. I mean, you've got, you got Caleb Williams, you've got Drake May. You've got um, you know, just a tremendous top half of this. Michael Penix.
0: Um to some extent, JJ uh, McCarthy's
1: kid, gonna be in the, the mix. kid from
0: um, the kid from LSU.
1: Uh Jaden Daniels. Like, it's just yep. it's there are just too many good, talented, top end guys to because you, you want to go in those first two rounds. Like you're fine going in round one or round two. I mean, don't forget you've got the tight end from, you know, uh, Georgia coming out, you've got Marvin Harrison coming out, you know, that first round is filling up really, really quickly. And they are going to yeah. be some linemen taken. they are going to be some defensive players taken. So if you're Cam Ward, why discount yourself? Take the whatever amount of money you're getting from the University of Miami. By all accounts, it's a good package. You know, that's a pretty good sit where you are fee build your brand, do it with better players than you had at Wazoo. Okay. You got a thousand yard, you know, safety blanket in the slot who's playing his fifth year in Xavier Restrepo. You've got, you know, Jacob George, if he can figure out life, you've got, you know, a lot of other talented guys. You got one of the best incoming freshman wide receiver course uh, in recent memory at Miami. And um, you got, a commitment to an offensive line that has greatly improved under Mario Cristobal and really has been the best it's ever been during the stretch uh, that I've covered the university of Miami Hurricanes. So there's a lot to like and Oh, by the way you get McCormick back for his ninth year. So why wouldn't you want to be a part of the most experienced tight end to ever play college football? Um, it's just a lot to like, you know? And so I mean, here's a Texas kid coming to Miami, making the difference. And the beautiful thing, and I hate to talk about this, but this is the era you've got to talk about. The beautiful thing for Canes fans is, man, at the end of the day, if something happens, you've got a lot of experience by backing this kid up.
0: Yeah, no, the quarterback room is now, is now deep, right? Where it was, you, you you were thinking there was going to be a problem there. Now you've got Cam And you've got Ja and we we hope he sticks, and we'll talk about that in a second. I
1: I think he walks. That's another that's something we'll cover later on, but I think he walks Uh, in the spring.
0: Okay, well, thanks for ruining the headline on that one. But uh (laughs) (laughs) But you you do have a D and you got um Poffenberger who comes in and and you know I need to you know when that story broke, we 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 did a podcast, and I I said on that podcast, I said, to me, I feel like and I don't know if this is one of my emergency pods or if it was with you or not.
1: No, we did we did a full one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this is this is a this is a depth move. This is this is to bring yep. in some depth at the position. Um and from all accounts, the hurricanes stat coaching staff was really open, was Poffenbarger to to say, listen, we're still looking. We're still looking for another quarterback. You can come here and compete. And we'd love to have you, but we're still looking. And, you know, they stayed true to that.
1: I think that was one of the, you know, in the time that we've been doing this, that was one of the more, you know, thoughtful things that you brought to the table and really foreshadowed what ended up happening with Cam Ward. And I think that if you're a University of Miami Hurricane fan, this quarterback room went from being, like, super doubtful to very slim to, like, Ooh, love it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm comfortable with, like, all three of the top three options. Like, we can win football games with either one of these guys. You know, I think you can win with Cam. I think you can win with Reese. And I think you can win with Ja'Curie. And I think you get a chance to develop Emery and let him come back slow from an injury. Emery, you know, on behalf of all Canes Nation, you've got an entire 365, buddy. I don't want to see you out there Taking hits, and I want you. I'll see you in the spring of 2025, fully healthy, ready to compete um, and, and get back to some of your Clemson and FSU ways and having a full year to develop offseason with Shannon Dawson. And that's going to be a very nice situation. And oh, by the way, Beast, I was not down. I was kind of down on this Luke Nickel kid, this 2025 quarterback commitment I thought it was way too quick to take him he came down here and he played against you know Davy Western and I thought to myself man this is a really quick take I think I even mentioned it I was like why are we letting this kid commit the kid goes out wins the state championship in the highest classification in Georgia and he made a believer out of me so he didn't need my approval but the 25 quarterback uh room looks good hopefully Miami can keep this kid uh, hopefully he wasn't paying attention to what I felt about him, uh, but I gave my true comments and I stick by it. You know, I still think there's some development needed to do, but I'm very comfortable with him being uh, the leader of this 2025 class. Cause he's the goods.
0: Before we jump ahead a year, let's stick with cam for, for a few more minutes. Um, he, Listen, he can make every throw. I've I've watched him. There's just a lot of
1: quarterbacks. We went from no
0: quarterbacks to a lot. So
1: let me me have my fun, okay? All right, I just want to be able to celebrate
0: right now. Uh, We got. Cam can can make every throw. I I watch him. There's not a throw that he can't make on the football field. He's got an NFL arm. Uh, There's some other stuff he has to work on. Uh, Most notably is not fumbling the football. he needs to work on maybe being a little more, um, I would say guarded in the pocket when it comes to the rush and keeping the football with him. And then when he's rushing, making sure he's got two hands on the football and, you know, doing the right things with all that stuff. Um, but he's got a gun for an arm. He, he can really make all the throws and and listen, you got to start there. That's like an important part of things, but there's been some chatter because and I couldn't find the exact quote. Maybe you saw it, but somewhere where he said he, he expects to come in and play under center and play, you know, in the pro-style offense. And and I'm thinking to myself, well, huh? Where's that coming from? But, you know, maybe that's
1: – This is air raid. This is throw it all around the world. This is hand the ball off to Mark Fletcher and get 10, gas you, throw the ball to the boundary, Jacoby George – with a little quick bubble slant and gas you. This is go deep to Isaiah Horton. This is Josiah Trader for six. This is coming right at you too fast. We got more athletes than you do, and our quarterback can run. This is this is nasty. This is fast. This is quick. This is Miami. This is swag. This is if he gets hurt. Don't use that word. Johnny Man. Don't use the S word. Don't use the S word. This is this is coming right at you. This is coming really fast. If this guy goes down, we got a Johnny Manziel coming off the bench. This is this is, oh. this is this is this is tough, man. You better you better sign on, Beast. This is playoff. This is Saban's not not here anymore. This is Nick Saban ain't coming out that door. I mean, this is this is a lot. This is we'll see Kirby in the playoff. This is this is a different day. This really is, and I'm not trying to hype this up, but you got Florida down. You're gonna walk in there, blow them out. Oh goodness! Or, or put them. You're gonna put them. You're gonna put them on notice. You know Napier and all, that whole situation. And he, here's the best part about that Florida situation. If you're Miami, I think Jed Fish took a job that will keep him in that West Coast scenario because he would have come to Florida. Yeah, and that would have been a, problematic. That, that, that's his alma mater. That been, yes, that would have been problematic for Miami because you actually have a guy in Florida at Florida with a pulse. So um, like a recruiting pulse, you know, Napier, good coach. He hasn't been able to kind of crack the ceiling, but one thing that has happened is you got two guys that are not really solidified on the recruiting back to back, which is Dan Mullen. And now you have, you know, Billy Napier. So I think everybody agrees he's a good coach, but if you've got, a guy that wasn't very good, stacked against a guy that's struggling to find his way in this league, that creates a a very, you know, untalented roster, and you start reaching for guys that aren't SEC guys, and then that's what gets you fired.
0: So let's discuss how this Cam Ward news impacts the quarterback room. You already dropped what you think is going to happen with Ja'Kari Brown, which I think would be a shame. I love that kid. Um, But how do you think this plays out? Exactly as
1: I said, I think um, Cam comes in. Reese is fine because he knows Cam's a one and done, and he's looking toward 25. He knows at some point he'll play because they're either going to be packages or blowouts. Um, I think Ja'Curry will find out how much he really wants to be a Miami Hurricane uh, because if I'm him, I stay. He's the most Cam-like. If I'm him, I stay to push Reese out of the door or push him because he can, he has the most to learn from Cam. They they have very similar games, and if Jacurry really fine tunes his ability to play that quarterback position, he'd be in a lot better shape. Because if you go out, I, and I don't want him to go, but I'm just saying, more than likely, you know, his insurance uh, has already been secured. So if he leaves, it's no big deal. But if he stays, um, it's great because he gets to sit behind a dude that is the full potential of what he could be. And for the first time, because he, he couldn't see that in Van Dyke. Like, sometimes you don't know what you can be until you see it. Right. And he's the only guy on this roster, because Judd Anderson ain't going to be able to be like Cam. And, I mean, this guy has a big arm. He can run with the ball. He can do a lot of things. So he's kind of a mirror of what you see with Cam. And so even if we don't go get Reese, I would have liked to have Ja'Kuri behind Cam, but I understand why you have to get Reese because you don't know what Ja'Kuri is going to do. And so at the end of the day, I think it would be awesome and beneficial for Ja'Kuri to stick around. I just don't know if he will uh, because again, when that spring window opens up, He's got two guys ahead of him, at least, uh, instead of one. And um, he's already, you know, got a scenario where he wasn't probably happy with how things played out last year. So that's how I think the QB room goes. But to sum up how I feel about Cam, I didn't want to wait on him. That's not hate. I just didn't think it was a good strategy. The guys in the room, you know, D-Train, Cristobal, all those guys, They never gave up. And that's one thing. I've told you this before, Beast. They don't give up. Until it's done, until it's impossible, okay? And I'm talking about Jeremiah Smith. I'm talking about everybody they didn't get that they wanted. I know for a fact your head coach, Canes fans, he ain't giving up until it's over, done, signed, and it can't
0: be reversed. You know, we we worry about Jakari leaving. I I could see a scenario like you said, where Jakari looks at Cam as, oh, let me stay a mentor and get mentored by this guy. And Emery is the guy that is the odd man out.
1: Yeah, but see, Emery can't go anywhere because to me, I feel like he hasn't done enough and you don't get in the portal off an injury. You need to come back and prove that you're healthy. And to be honest, I think he's got a place in this, in this, in this offense and in this room, because he's a real cane. He came here out. Of, I like guys who come out of high school. Like he's a hurricane. I'm not saying Cam isn't or Reese isn't, you know, cause this is the new college football age, but he chose to come here, you know? And he, I mean, and let, let's face it. It's not always about playing. Sometimes being a part of the, the culture that turns a place around. Like imagine the pride, of anybody on that Michigan team, or even that Washington team, imagine the pride of those guys, and they get to hang their hat forever and say, we were the guys that brought Michigan back. Michigan was yeah. a big-time program. They hadn't won since the 90s. And it was all this Bo Black, all this talk, This, and we had a very big task on our hands, and we were the guys, put it on our shoulders and say, you know what? we're bringing this thing back. To me, it's harder to bring a program back than it is to to win a championship outright.
0: Yeah, you're you know what? It is once it is hard to get back to the top once you've been there no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, the other big issue that we need to talk about is a huge one, not just in college football but in sports. Nick Saban retired. What does that do to the landscape we will discuss that and more after this. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back after this. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. All right, we are back on the Real Ones Canes podcast. He is Brandon O'Doy. Follow him at Brandon underscore O'Doy. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. It is the Real Ones games Podcast. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on the YouTube channel. Brandon, it was a crazy couple of uh, days in the sports world about a week ago. We had uh, Pete Carroll out. We had Bill Belichick out. And then we got Nick Saban res- uh, retiring. The man, the goat, the best college coach of all time, retired. And then we got a little bit of a surprise. When someone that's never been in Alabama, someone that's not known in SEC circles, guy that uh, took his team to the national championship from Washington gets the job. It, uh, it makes sense on one hand, but it's crazy on the other. What did you make of Nick Saban retiring and how does that impact the world we live in?
1: Well, you know that I would know this, but I can tell you it was a complete surprise to everybody down there. There was a kid that I know intimately, he was committed to Alabama. He had just been admitted the day that Saban um, was set to retire and had a 6 p.m. meeting with Saban, a conference call, to solidify his recruitment and to commit to Saban verbally. We had done so, you know, through other coaches. He's going to be the center there. So people at Alabama did not know this was coming. Okay, this is breaking news to everyone, and so that's just how crazy this whole business was. And you mentioned the bevy of co- coaching talent that all sort of forgive me, I hit my camera that all sort of seemingly you know it's it, it, that's a lot of news to handle. Yeah, Carol gets fired, Bella. Ch- I mean, these are goats, these are like not just. And then Saban retires, That that's a rough day for the coaching fraternity. Um, one of those guys is worth a lot of cheddar. And three of those guys is like, man, just turn off the TV. I'm going to bed and hoping this was a dream, you know?
0: As it impacts the world of college football and we'll bring it back to the University of Miami, I mean, is there a chance that, Saban leaving, um, I mean, obviously on paper it benefits nice. everybody else, but recruiting-wise and all the stuff, now yes. Miami's got some kids that they can look at yes. that maybe they, they – Okay.
1: Listen, Nick Saban told coaches privately that Miami becoming strong was the thing he feared the most. What you? How, why, Brandon? What, what's the big deal? Remember – at one point during Saban's run, the ex wide receiver position belonged to Miami-Dade and Broward County. He went from Amari to Calvin Ridley to Jerry Judy. And there were like one or two other names. Ja'Cory Brooks came in. He didn't quite live up to that standard, although it, it, it was a, a freakish standard to live up to. And it's like, One out of 11 positions was always taken by a kid in the 305 or the 954. And so when you have no more Dallas Turners running the Alabama, no more Earl Little Juniors running the Alabama, no more Jerry Judys, no more Calvin Ridleys. I mean, can you imagine if any of those guys were canes? Oh, Someone told a story. Calvin Ridley, and I forgot who told me this story. They literally just told me this a few weeks ago. Calvin Ridley was set. Oh, yes. I I remember who told me. Calvin Ridley was set to go to the University of Miami. He was set to commit. I was there at North Miami Field during his junior year, rising senior year. And he got a phone call and was told to pause. And he ultimately flipped to Alabama like, had Cowley Ridley come to the University of Miami, you have to ask yourself, he's one of those Jeremiah Smith type recruits, right? You have to ask yourself, and it's only recently that under Cristobal that Miami's now getting guys at the receiver position that other schools desperately wanted. The Nycars, right. the Josiah Traders, the, the Chance Robinsons. We haven't been recruiting with elite Power 5 programs for guys like Jacoby George, Xavier Restrepo, Bashard smith like no disrespect to them but miami wasn't in battles with these elite programs these national caliber programs now that you're in battles with these elite programs i mean now you understand the 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 significance of someone like saving stepping down it gives miami a better chance to have a seat at the table because now kids are no longer going to take the saving discount this is what i tweeted about earlier today what's the saving discount brandon Well, I'll go play for the best coach to ever coach college football and I'll forego millions of dollars to be around his presence, to be developed, particularly if I'm on defense beast. And I'll do that as a Caleb Downs, even though the school in my backyard in Georgia is one of the top schools in the country. And oh, by the way, they have a guy on defense who's no slouch in Kirby Smart. So. There's going to be a ripple effect across college football. I think it's good for Miami because you have a Sabanite as a head coach, too. You have a guy who spent time, who understands a lot of the formula, who won a lot of those recruiting battles over Miami because of his tenaciousness in recruiting. And say, you know, Mario Cristobal is holding his staff to that very high standard that Coach Saban held him. He told me a story privately. And I won't get into the details because I want to maintain uh, confidentiality and, and my ability to talk to coach off the record and candidly, but he told me a story that basically underscored, you know, what he needed to accomplish while he was at Alabama to recruit a certain prospect. And all it, all you need to know basically is that when he was presenting like potential issues and possibly it not getting done, coach Saban, basically gave him a look like, I don't care. I don't want to hear your excuses. Get the job done. And that's the kind of guy you need to be around. That's the kind of guy you need to have as a head coach. And that's the kind of sentiment you need to pass down in order to break through the mold for this hurricane program to get back to where people expect it to be. 2001 was a long time ago, Beast. You know what you were doing in 2001? I I know what you were doing. But do you know what I was doing in 2001? In 2001, I was a junior. I was a junior in college. Mm. I was a junior. Matter of fact, I was a sophomore in college going into my junior year. Okay. Now I'm married (laughs) with three kids now. That was a lifetime ago.
0: Now that you're making me feel old. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel old. I'm just telling you. No, I appreciate
1: it. At the end of the day, that's how long it's been. Michigan, it was longer for them. They hadn't won a championship since 97. And like I said in the first segment, it's harder to bring a program back than it is to get to the top the first time. It just really is. Especially when you got one of these blue bloods, like your Notre Dames, your Michigans, your Ohio State, like that's much tougher to do because the expectations are just ridiculous. But having said all this, I'll end it by saying this. It's great news for the Hurricanes because that's one less dog you got to fight. It's bad news for college football. You use a guy that you probably would never see again in your lifetime. You'll never see somebody dominate like that for 17 years. You'll never see people get bent out of shape for losing two games in a season. Like, you'll never see a span of the championships that were won. I mean, you just
0: you're never going to see that. Kalen DeBoer goes from Washington to Alabama. Listen, everyone says he's a brilliant X's and O's coach. Everyone loved what he did at Washington. He had a meteoric rise. Um, And I applaud him for having the cojones to, to be the guy that follows the guy. Although, you never really want to be the guy that follows the guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy. I just... I don't know what kind of success he can have. I don't know what you've heard about recruits and what they think of him, or what what the what the scuttle is as far as him taking that Alabama job.
1: Well, <clears throat> I think that's the best hire they could have made. I think it's better than Sark outside of Kirby. I think that's the best, and Kirby wouldn't leave because he's he's home, right? He went to Georgia. Okay, plus he's built a juggernaut. He's one win away from winning three straight you know, which has also never been done. Okay. But at the end of the day, this guy they hired is a winner. I mean, let's, let's, let's let this settle into your spirit. This guy over 12 years lost nine games. 12 years. He lost nine. He's the most prolific winner in modern college football. And so if you're talking about a guy that wants to replace the best to ever do it, that's a pretty darn good start. And everybody's going to say, well, he's not a Southerner. Neither was Saban. Saban's from West Virginia. Okay? He came from the Big Ten to the SEC, and then from the SEC, he went to the Miami Dolphins and was terrible. Let's, let's, let's make that known too. Miami, you know, Alabama took a chance on Nick Saban. If, if that's, I mean, I think that's fair to say.
0: He was terrible at the Miami Dolphins. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't, listen. He was great at LSU. He went to the Miami Dolphins. I actually think he would have had success as he stayed at the Miami Dolphins, especially if he had taken Drew Brees over Dante Culpepper. But uh, I, think, I think we could pretty much say that Nick Saban, I don't think they were taking a chance on him. I think he was a proven college coach at that point.
1: He was a proven college coach who was coming in. He had some sort of – he had a few marks on his resume based on what happened at Miami, at, at, at Miami. Let's just put it like that. And, you know, I was here when he left because uh, when I first moved to the city, he was the head coach of the Dolphins. Right. And so um, people were not sad to see him go. I can tell you that. Well, no, and
0: I – and,
1: and so, but I, I guarantee you people at Bama are extremely sad um, to see him go now. So it's just the way the world turns, but overall beast, I think what I want on the record about this is coach Saban's the best ever. I think this is one of the first times, cause you know, there's Michael, Kobe, LeBron. I think this is one of the first times in sports, you know, cause there's Ollie, Frazier, you know, Tyson. This is one of the first times where everyone universally agrees, doesn't matter what color or what fandom you root for, Saban's the best to have ever done it. He's better than his predecessor, Bear Bryant. He's the best college football coach that, that has ever been around. That That's just, that's an open and shut conversation. So to have the best ever on the bench, best thing for anybody trying to get back to the top, because let's talk about this, and we didn't bring this up yet, Harbaugh could potentially be leaving because he's building quite a beast up there at Michigan too
0: oh and he uh, yeah there's there's no doubt that Jim Harbaugh might be having his eyes especially because you know he wants he wants it in his contract that if anything comes down from the NCAA he's not responsible he doesn't you know bear the penalty of that uh so he might that's be heading stone. to the NFL yeah that's, that's so, so bad yeah but so um I get into that. <laughs> So, so there's that. But man, you know what? As much as I dislike Nick Saban because of all the things I, I know about how he interacted with people down here in South Florida when he was the head coach of the Dolphins, just interpersonally, people that worked at the Dolphins, how he treated them. And I've known people that worked at Alabama, and you know, the, he's he's not the easiest guy to work for. No, I didn't say he was uh, a great person. I say he was yeah. a great football coach. Right. I didn't. Say uh, no. So that's he's and that's what I was... you
1: want to. I mean. But see, I, people, and, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general. Like, we got to determine what we want. Sometimes when greatness presents itself, it's going to create a deficit in some other area of life. Sure. You know, this may not be a guy I want to have dinner with, but this may be a guy that I want coaching my son and getting him ready for the NFL. I'm not counting on this guy to be
0: likable. I mean, he's probably a jerk. <laughs> no, but what I was saying is, is that despite all of that, I think the, the reverence the the respect that you have to have for what he did is just uh you know amazing what he did was amazing it will never be done again as you said before we get out of here real quick we need to uh two props or one big prop to Katie Meyer the women's basketball team who uh took down number 4 NC State uh the other night uh a great job by them they won 73 to 59 the women's team is 12 and 5 in the uh on the year and they got three players with 18 points and Jasmine Roberts and, uh, Cheyenne day Wilson and Lachey Dwyer. So Can I, say uh, I something love about Katie Meyer. Oh, she's amazing. Like,
1: she is amazing. I remember when she was first hired. Cause I started covering uh, around the time she first came to Miami, uh, and 11. Um, she's quietly one of the best. She doesn't get a lot of national pub. She's quietly one of the best women's basketball coaches. In the country, and I was hoping that they could get to the final four, just so she could get her just desserts. Because sometimes you need that week break between the Elite Eight and the Final Four, so everybody can do their research, everybody can see how good she's been and how what great team she. Miami's not necessarily a women's basketball destination, Um, but she's always had competitive teams. She always does well in the tournament. That tournament run they had last year. Was incredible. She's always done really well. She deserves her flowers. So,
0: yeah, she's she's totally awesome. I love Katie Meyer, one of my favorite people on the planet. By the way, the men's team better pick up a win at Syracuse. They've lost a couple that uh, have me a little bit upset, but we'll get to that uh, down the road. All right, Brandon, uh, we have our QB1. His name is Cam Ward, and we will see how this thing goes. Yeah, there's Brandon going back for a pass. Uh, We will talk to you next week, everybody. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, all of that stuff. It's the Real Ones Cane's Podcast. We'll see you next time.
1: You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks?